Graphic Audio fans. This is Dwayne Beeman here with this week's Pick of the Week. My pick this week is a newly released horror production from Graphic Audio, Hunter Shays, The Montauk Monster. I'd be the first to tell you that I'm a punk when it comes to horror stories. But if the horror story is intelligently written, then I can deal with it. I love conspiracy stories, especially conspiracy stories about our government. So when we got word that Hunter Shea's book was going to get the graphic audio treatment, I eagerly awaited the chance to listen to this title, since I knew it had a good conspiracy story inside. This story starts off in the beach town of Montauk, Long Island, New York. Several of the residents encounter what they believe to be wild dogs, only that they are not wild dogs. They are monsters that looks to be a mixed breed of several animals that look about as horrifying as anything ever seen before. These animals go about killing any of the residents that they see, and if the bites themselves didn't kill them, the viruses associated with the bites will. Turns out that the creatures are also a carrier of a deadly virus that causes people to burn from the inside out, leaving them in a smoldering heap of flesh. The Montauk PD are on the case, trying to make sense of what's happening, the tragedies hit a bit closer to home to Officer Gray Dalton, played brilliantly by Michael John Casey, channeling the inner New Yorker in him. As he sees a few of his colleagues go down via the monsters, he confides in what he sees to police dispatcher Meredith Hernandez, portrayed by Julianne Elliott in a strong performance. Hernandez tells Dalton that some years back, she took pictures of a strange creature that washed ashore on the beach. However, it was never looked into. They both decide to get to the bottom of this by going to where she thinks the creatures are being manufactured at, Plum Island. When they get there, they discover a horrific scene and finds out that these monsters' existence goes all the way back to a source that they find hard to swallow. At the same time, the U.S. government has caught wind of what's going on and plans to burn Montauk straight to the ground, with both the monsters and the living people with it. Can Dalton and Hernandez get back and try to save as many folk as they can before the military toast them? You're gonna have to get the book to find out. This book was a very horrifying and yet entertaining production. There are several scenes that will grip you in this production, particularly Dalton and Hernandez's walk through the Plum Island compound. Director Ken Action Jackson and sound designer Brian Rogers really did a tremendous job creating a well-crafted and enjoyable graphic audio production. Along with Mr. Casey and Miss Elliott, we get other great performances from Thomas Keegan, Terence Aselford, Richard Rowan, and Jonathan Church. Props to Hunter Shea for writing such an intelligent story, and kudos to Ken, Brian, and the Graphic Audio Bullpen for creating a wonderful audio experience from this book. So pick this one up today. Let's listen to a clip of Graphic Audio's production of Hunter Shea's The Montauk Monster. Midway through the movie, she was more awake than ever. Time for a smoke. <sighs> she said this to Irene, her white, orange, and black calico cat. Irene liked to lie along the top of the love seat and sleep 22 hours a day. It was an enviable life. Fetching a pack of cools and a lighter from the kitchen table, Margie went out the kitchen door. It felt good to get some fresh air. A blazing white moon hung large and heavy in the sky. The soft, steady night wind carried the smell of mint from the patch she planted in the back of the yard. Mm. I have to make mojitos tomorrow when Les comes home. Margie walked around the yard, enjoying the quiet of the night, eventually finding herself in the front yard. Every house along both sides of the street was dark. 
More than one of her neighbors had told her they slept better knowing she had an eye on the block. Her inability to sleep made her the unofficial neighborhood watch. In no small way, it made her embrace her condition. Everything happened for a reason. Margie jumped when something crashed in the backyard. Flicking her cigarette into the street, she dashed along the side of the house. She pulled up short when she entered the yard. What the... Her patio table was turned over on its side. The folded umbrella had snapped in half from the fall. It would have taken a hell of a breeze to knock that over. Oh. She was relieved when she got close enough to see that the glass top hadn't cracked. Les would have a fit when she told him they needed to buy a new umbrella. <sighs> the table was lighter than she thought, and she was able to ride it on her own. She inspected the broken umbrella. Unbelievable. Margie whipped her head around to see what had made the noise that had come from the impenetrably dark strip under their dogwood tree. Stupid kids. Late-night pool hopping was common in July, and her yard was part of the route between the above-ground pools to the left and right of her house. You're gonna pay for a new umbrella. I know you're there. Swimming's over for tonight. Something moved in the dark. There was no muffled teen laughter. She felt whoever was under the dogwood tree was watching her, waiting to see what she would do next. Margie's chest turned to ice. She stood motionless, her hands atop the table. Try as she might, she couldn't see a thing back there. There was more movement than ever now amidst the rhododendrons. A large paw emerged from the shadows, followed by another. <gasps> Margie's heart thudded into overdrive when its hideous face emerged, and it was not happy. One, two, three animals. Creatures so foreign to her it appeared as if they'd been dropped from an unseen hovering alien craft, slinked from the shadows. They stepped in tandem, their heavily muscled backs undulating with each movement of their massive paws. The more they emerged from the shadows under the tree, the more Margie knew for certain they were not stray dogs or wandering deer. Mottled fur and heavy, impossible faces were brought into crisp detail under the incandescence of the moon. The creatures continued their wary advance. An acrid redolence, so strong her eyes began to tear, bullied the fresh air like a canister of tear gas set free. All three were roughly the same size, huge. The fur on each was a different color. One a mix of black and gray, the other brown, and the last one on the right a patchwork of colors. Clumps of hair were missing on each, revealing scraps of raw flesh that, to her dread, appeared to be varying shades of blue, as if they were oxygen-deprived. Other than birds and fish, she couldn't think of any mammal that had blue skin. But it was their faces that froze her to the spot. They weren't long like a dog's, but blunt, with oversized black eyes and snouts that tapered down to a sharp point. She could have sworn they had beaks underneath the coarse fur that covered their heads. Their lower jaws were markedly smaller than their upper, each possessing an overbite that looked like it would make it very difficult for them to chew. And yet there was something disturbingly pig-like about them, or maybe more like a wild boar. In fact, one of them had the makings of a tusk protruding from the side of its mouth. In all, they were a nightmare made real, the monster lurking under your bed or the beast waiting in your closet for you to fall asleep. They came closer. Yes! The creatures reacted not by pulling back, but by coiling their hind legs to spread toward her, their eyes wet with hunger. Margie gripped the edge of the patio table and pushed it over, attempting to create a barrier. The moment the table left her fingertips, she spun, running for the back door. 
As she gripped the latch to her screen door, she turned to gauge her chances of making it inside before they got to her. The black and gray beast had barreled straight through the tabletop. Shards of glass poked out of its hide and razor-like muzzle. The other two had either gone around or leapt over the upturned table. At best, they were two steps away. She yanked open the screen door. Fire erupted on her calf. Marty looked down in shock. The brown thing clamped down on her lower leg. One of them hit into the side of the screen door, warping the metal pane on the bottom. The other fought to get past the one biting her. Half in and half out, she shook her leg to free it from the monster's bite. Something tore. Her stomach lurched as she watched her blood paint the door. Fumbling along the kitchen counter, her quivering fingers happened upon the handle of her metal meat tenderizer. She left it on a dish towel to dry after doing the dishes. Now, she brought it down as hard as she could on the side of the creature's head. It released her, backing into the other one that was eager to get at her leg. Margie fell backward as Les turned into the kitchen. She had the presence of mind to use her good leg to kick the door shut. One of the beasts bumped heavily into the door. Les put his hand on the door handle. No, don't open it! Lock it! Lock it! Les saw her leg and the look of unadulterated terror on her face, dropped to his knees, and pulled her into his arms. <laughs> If you enjoyed listening to the clip of the Montauk Monster, you can purchase the title right here on our website, www.graphicaudio.net. The book can be purchased in all available download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. You can also grab it in audio CD format, and you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free Graphic Audio Access app, available for Apple and Android devices. Be back next week as I'll have another pick of the week for you. Until then, peace.